Welcome. My name is Yvonne Benninger-Rothschild. I'm the Executive Director of the EICC New York. This podcast is brought to you by the European American Chamber of Commerce, a platform where Europeans and Americans connect to do business. To produce this series, we have asked our members from across Europe and the United States to discuss current events and how they may affect transatlantic business activities. In addition to this recording, I invite you to listen to all of our podcasts. You can find them on our website at eaccny.com right slash podcasts. I hope you will enjoy the insights our members together with my team have put together. And I encourage you to subscribe to the EACC podcast series on your favorite podcast server and to rate and share them with your friends and colleagues. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this Brexit Musings episode. My name is Paolo Fertini Melendez. I manage member engagement at the EACCNY, and I'm also your host for this series. So this episode will provide an in-depth discussion on the changes that can be expected with customs, trade, and also the physical supply chain after the end of the transition period on December 31st, 2020. To discuss this from and UK and EU, as well as a UK and US standpoint, we have Matthew Bach from Middleton, Schroll and Bach, who will be interviewed by Amy Moore from Clifton, Larson Allen. Um, a little more about our speakers. Matt is a partner at Middleton, Schroll and Bach and focuses on customs and international trade law, as well as import and export regulatory compliance. Our other speaker, Amy, leads the global concierge practice for Clifton, Larson Allen. And she has more than 20 years of experience helping companies expand their operations in the United States. Thank you very much both for, for coming today and speaking with us. And with that, I pass it on to you, Amy. Thank you so much. And thanks for having uh, both of us. You know, it's it's four and a half years since the landmark Brexit referendum. And I don't think any of us thought we would be two weeks away from the transition at midnight and really still have a lot of lack of clarity as to what that's going to look like. You know, I'm I'm happy here to be joined by Matt to to talk about what we think that may and what are some of the key things that we're, you know, expecting to happen. Really, it's a time of uncertainty for our clients and a time of uncertainty for individuals trying to figure out how to deal with this. You know, Matt, as, as you think about the next two weeks, you know, what, what, what is jumping to your mind as you're thinking about the impact on, you know, the supply chains between the UK and the EU as we sit here with, with no clarity? Yeah, first, uh, thanks, Paolo. Uh, thanks, Amy. And thanks to the ACC for hosting. Yeah, it, it's, it's hard to believe. And, and you know, you and I have talked about this. It's hard to believe that we've gotten this deep into 2020 and we still don't have any strong idea of whether we're headed towards a hard or soft Brexit. You know, I suspect at this point that if you are a company with significant exposure to Brexit from a supply chain or customs duty uh, trade perspective, you've likely begun to take uh, action to at least understand the impact of what a hard Brexit would look like um, and, and potentially address some of the risks that you think would arise out of that situation. If you haven't, um, hopefully we can give you a few pointers today to take with you and to consider, you know, in the next week or two. Hopefully, if you're not prepared, uh, the worst case scenario does not happen uh, and you sort of smooth your way into a soft Brexit. 
I mean, for me, the biggest issue here is uncertainty, right? And we all know businesses need clarity, need certainty to plan. And supply chain really is one of those areas where it's all about planning. It's all about forecasting and it's all about understanding risks and establishing structures and frameworks and plans to address those risks, right? And and where you as a company or as a supply chain manager, your, your role, manager, your role is to understand the risks associated with moving goods where you have no idea whether or not in a week and a half or two weeks, there will be a new border that you have to manage um, as a company or as a supply chain manager is, is a huge issue. And we can go through and talk about, you know, the myriad of consequences of, of a hard border. But let's just talk about hard border since if there's a trade deal, uh, great. It's, it's good for the UK. I think it's good for the EU. So let's just start with you know, musing about what happens if there's a hard exit and, and no trade deal. You immediately see tariffs uh, and issues that arise that, that, are, that are usually associated with exporting something outside of the EU, right? So a good that, you know, yesterday transited from the UK to France, free of duty, uh, without, without any quotas, without any restrictions on, on, you know, labeling or rules of origin compliance or anything associated with product uh, regulatory compliance is now subject to all of those things. There's a, finan- a direct financial impact of the tariff. And then there's the financial impact of complying with new, with new uh, regulatory schemes. There, there's a financial impact of potential delays because that good will not enter the, new, the EU or enter the U- UK until those regulatory um, hurdles have been crossed over. I think, I think that the tariff cost, you know, you can look at that and quantify it now, right? The WTO, all of these countries will remain members of the WTO. So you can at least understand what types of baseline most favored nation duty rates will apply to these goods, right? So you could look at the direct tariff impact of a hard Brexit. I think what's less quantifiable is costs of compliance which in normal trade compliance tends to come down to, you know, somewhere in the medium, mid to high single digit of product cost. So you could go from a product clearing into the EU today, duty-free. You now have a 5% duty and you have another 8% of the cost of that good on top of that good just to try and get the paperwork right. And those costs are going to add up really quickly on those products. And, and Matt, as as you think about this for for companies, right, as they move from a single market, you know, there's a time component within this. And sitting here on December 17th and people not knowing how it's going to impact their supply chain, there's hard costs, there's compliance costs, and then there's costs of time, you know, and being able to keep machines moving and yeah. as they're, you know, cost of goods and materials to make their products. You had referenced that some of the larger companies had already taken some steps, you know, whether it was localizing manufacturing or trying to move stock. Have you seen the impact of that already? Are, are you, you know, hearing from clients that they feel yeah. pretty well prepared? Yeah, I mean, a, a, certainly a lot of the larger companies and even many mid-market companies saw this as an opportunity to say, we were probably in a space where we need to do some supply chain uh, mapping. We should probably understand 
where our suppliers located, who are our second and third tier suppliers and where are they located? How can we sort of streamline our approach to sourcing so that we know, depending on how the negotiations play out, how we, how do, how we need to adjust our supply chain to address whatever the impact of that negotiation is. So that's mapping where your sources, uh, your supply, your suppliers are, mapping where your inventory is held, mapping where you can, you know, stock inventory uh, in, in case you need to hold a bunch of pro- uh, product or inventory in the EU um, in advance of a hard Brexit. It's understanding who your third-party logistics providers are and what modalities they have at their disposal to move your goods. If, you know, if trucking lanes become an issue, uh, if shipping lanes become an issue, you need to be able to shift to an alternate modality uh, if one encounters actual physical delays. So a lot of companies said, you know, this is something we should do anyways. We've been putting this off. Let's really dig in and understand our supply chain. Cut down on our on suppliers that we see as risky, uh, either because of location or because of who they are working with. Let's understand uh, if we can consolidate distributors into single countries so that at least if there is a hard Brexit, we're only dealing with, you know, one border crossing. If if there is a major supplier, let's say you're in the UK and you have a manufacturing plant in France uh, and you're sending inputs from the UK over to your plant in France, if you can source those inputs within the EU rather than in the UK, it's an easy way to mitigate the impact of a hard Brexit. So that wasn't a concern before because there were no costs to that transit, but that becomes a big decision moving forward. So, so again, to, to your question, a lot of companies were proactive. And even if the result of this is a nice trade deal uh, that essentially puts both jurisdictions in the same place as they were under, under a, a single union, they're going to come out of this with a much stronger, a much more resilient supply chain. They're going to have eliminated a lot of risk. And, you know, I don't want to go off on a pandemic tangent, but (laughs) that certainly played into people's desire to better understand supply chains and supply chain resiliency, right? So it shouldn't be seen as a wasted cost, A, if you you did an assessment, and B, if you actually made some material changes to your supply chain, you're likely better prepared for things like pandemic or or, or other, you know, future eventualities like trade deals between the EU and other countries or trade deals between the U.S. and either of these two jurisdictions. So interesting, Matt, that you moved in that direction, because the, the question I was going to ask, which you, you started to cover, was not only dealing with Brexit at a time like this, but during dealing with Brexit during COVID, you know, sitting sitting in the seat advising clients myself, the the conversations around supply chain have greatly changed from two years ago regarding value chain maximization and, and those types of pieces. It's really looking at shoring up your supply chain and understanding it and ensuring you have quality providers. It's been really interesting, I think, the combination of these two items together has created a really unique dynamic in the supply chain. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and you, I know you and I have both seen a, a lot of this in, in our own practices. But, you know, whereas the name of the game in years past was, I want to achieve the most cost-effective supply chain possible. You know, I want to source from the cheapest countries with the cheapest labor. I don't care too much who's producing it. 
uh, and who's moving it so long as it gets to me, you know, as cheap as possible. That's sort of no longer the paradigm for for supply chain now. The new paradigm is how can I make the supply chain, yes, cost effective, but most of all secure and able to resist, uh, you know, black swan events like like the pandemic or or more predictable major events like uh, like trade agreements or or a lack of trade agreements. So you're right. It is it is funny that these two events came together, um, but I do think it's it, it is an opportunity, and it sort of just reinforces the idea that it cannot be simply a cost game. You have to understand, you have to be vetting your suppliers, and you have to be vetting their suppliers, and you have to understand how you can eliminate and carve out risk at each step of that supply chain, even if it costs you more money, and even if it means the product's going to get to your customer a little later but you know it's going to get there. At the same time that the Brexit talks are going on, there's bilateral trade talks for the UK and US. I know you have some kind of insight, you know, from your recent discussions about how those are going and whether something will happen. Anything you would like to share on that topic as to what you've heard recently? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the bottom line is most people believe that the Biden administration is a bit less, let's say, excited about striking a, a quick deal with the UK than the Trump administration had been. But by the same token, they are interested in taking actions that would bring the EU or Western Europe writ large in, into a closer trade alliance with the US, right? So as a means of continuing the efforts the US has taken to sort of placate China, and Biden has talked a lot about this in, in the run-up to the election, you know, we need to work cl- more closely with our allies. Well, we have a strong, true, long-term ally uh, in the UK, and we have many other allies in the EU. If striking a UK trade deal allows us to be in a better position vis-a-vis China, it's certainly a good thing. And then the, 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 the counterpoint there is, does striking a quick deal with the UK become an impediment politically to striking a quick deal with the EU, or a, a more glo- global overarching trade deal, right? I think certainly the Biden administration wants to see what happens with Brexit, that that becomes an easy way to dispel the notion of, is this a roadblock to an EU deal? If EU and UK come together and, and form a trade deal, then the effort will shift quickly to focusing on a US-EU trade deal, and, and they'll see it as less less of an affront to the EU if if they, in the meantime, strike up a, a comparable U.S.-U.K. deal. So all that to say, it isn't as much of a priority under a Biden administration as it was under a Trump administration. I still think it is something they're interested in. But they, too, are, are, are like all of us, I think, waiting to see what happens uh, with, with this deal uh, in two weeks, hopefully. Yeah, it's such an interesting time. I mean, I, I think about it as moving goods or moving people, you know, and or even the major financial markets in in London. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about the moving of goods, the impact on individuals moving across borders. It it really has a delay for another year. But, you know, after that, London is, you know, it appears that they are going to require work visas going between the UK and the EU. And it's always interesting to see what that will happen in terms of just good trade between the countries. 
same on the financial markets, some of the considerations that are coming forward that, that aren't supposed to be included in the deal, I think will limit the amount of financial transactions coming out of, of the London, you know, the UK market. And so while we've been talking about truck lines and things waiting at the border, and we've got this hard date coming up at December 31st, I do think we will continue to have conversations in 2021 regarding the impact of Brexit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and I think, you know, sometimes it's easy for U.S. companies to think, I recognize that this is a big deal. It doesn't really implicate, you know, my company. I'm just based in the U.S. But to your point, the banking and currency issues associated with this are enormous and will certainly have an impact on you even if you just sell into one or both of those markets, right? And so too does the idea of, you know, the UK's been, UK's been, been seen by, by many American companies as an easy foothold into the EU for many reasons, for language reasons, for, for, for financial reasons, but also just because of, you know, sort of an alliance between the two countries. But you could potentially no longer consider a single distribution point in the UK as a viable EU strategy or vice versa. If, if you're in the EU right now in, in continental Europe, but the UK is a big market for you, you may no longer be able to rely on that single point of distribution, both for physical distribution, but also to your point, Amy, for, for labor purposes, for currency issues, for, for a variety of reasons. So this is a big issue, even if you think you're, you're somewhat removed as a, as, a, as a US company. If you are selling or have distribution third parties in either of those regions, this is a major issue that should be considered for supply chain reasons or, or, or for, for greater reasons. It seems like, you know, we're we're wrapping up on our time, Matt. We could we could continue to try to shake the crystal ball and, and see where it goes, but just as a guess, do you think it'll be a hard or soft Brexit on December thirty first? Yeah, I, I've been wrong so far. I, ke I kept thinking they would strike a deal and, and everybody would come to their senses. I still am somewhat optimistic. It would just be a bit of a disaster for both jurisdictions if there's a hard Brexit. I, I think the EU feels like they're in a better position to manage a hard Brexit, but long term, it doesn't make any sense. The UK should should remain in some sort of a, a trade union with the EU. It's best for both parties and it's best for global trade writ large. Yeah, I think I'm hopeful that they get there. It just seems day by day that that window seems to be closing. So let's let's all hope that they they get to that point by December 31st. So there's at least some clarity for us to start with. I want to say thank you to the EACC for for including myself. It's always great to um get an opportunity to uh, connect. And we hope that you've enjoyed this. Paolo, can I turn it back over to you? Yeah, of course. And I would also like to thank you both for, for taking the time to speak with us. It, I mean, clearly there's a lot of uncertainty and that's a key issue with this. And we hope that this was helpful to our listeners. So that concludes this episode with Matt Bach from Middleton Sherlin Bach and Amy Moore from Clifton Larson Allen. Thank you again for speaking with us. And also, I would like to thank our audience quickly. Uh, we hope you enjoy listening to our program. And stay tuned for our next episode where we muse about Brexit. Take care.
Thank you for joining us for this podcast from the European American Chamber of Commerce, New York. Please remember to subscribe and rate this episode and be sure to check out the complete list of recordings on our website at eaccny.com right slash podcasts. If you have any thoughts or comments about this series, we would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us at membership at eaccny.com to learn more about our work, how to get involved and how to join our transatlantic network.